Hello and welcome to Mother Mother, a new podcast from the mom friends you need right now, because this shit is hard. I'm your host, Emily Ferris, a writer and married mom of two in Kansas City, Missouri, not Kansas. While Mother Mother is technically a parenting podcast, this isn't a podcast about kids. It's a podcast all about the experience of being a mother, which in some ways is universal, but is really very different for all of us. This is also an excuse for me to talk with a different mom friend each week, and hopefully an excuse for you to socially distance from your family for 30 minutes to an hour and hang out with us too. If you'd like to hang out online, you can join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Mother Mother Podcast, and you can always find more information at mothermotherpodcast.com. All right, now I'm very excited for you to meet my second guest. My guest today is Emily Flake, a writer and cartoonist for The New Yorker, and my initial twin. We're both EF. And this is the first time we're talking, really. Emily, I consider you a mom friend. Not a mom friend, a friend. And we happen to be moms. moms. And we've communicated a lot, but this is the first time we're communicating with our voices, with our with our mouth voices. It's true. Now we're talking for the first time, and I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Um, it's true. I've never seen your face in motion before. So I feel well, like this clearly is clearly you don't watch my Instagram stories, but <laughs> I will forgive you. Well, your that. face in motion reacting to something that I'm doing, um, which I guess okay. is what they used to call a conversation. Like that's never happened before. So it's very, this is an exciting, like new stage in the development of our friendship. Um, someday I hope to see your face in three dimensions and not pixels. On the East Coast. And we will talk about that later mm-hmm. because that will happen. I, I'm going to make sure that happens. You are the author of two books that I know of, mm-hmm. um, Mama Tried, Dispatches from the Seedy Underbelly of Modern Parenting, and That Was Awkward, The Art and Etiquette of the Awkward Hug. And these books were written a while ago, but they feel very appropriate for right now, though I guess maybe we need like COVID era updates. Yeah, <laughs> truly. Um, the Hug book came out um, October 2019. I had no idea how hug like how awkward hugs were shortly to get. So yeah, it does seem like maybe maybe an update um, or an addendum. Like if they would republish it with an addendum, um, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's a great idea, and definitely would make the publisher a lot of money. So <laughs> publisher, if you're listening, um, so yes, this is that is that is true. Um, I also wrote a book um, that came out in 2007 called These Things Ain't Gonna Smoke Themselves. Um, and it was about smoking and how I had always planned to quit smoking when I was 30. And it's sort of like an, an illustrated essay about cigarettes, which I feel like is also still sort of relevant, um, especially when we're talking about like stressful things and how we deal with stress and what our lungs are up to. Did you manage to quit smoking when you were 30? Nope. <laughs> okay. Okay. Not judging. I'm, yeah. There are things that are very hard to quit. And now anything that I might have tried to quit, it, no, there's no chance anymore of, of being disciplined. Yeah. <laughs> so I love your writing on parenting and writing and cartooning because I feel like we have a similar outlook on just like the ridiculousness of parenting, especially right now. And you're amazing because you can turn it into 
these really fun cartoons. And your daughter, Tug, is eight? She just turned nine. Is that right? Yeah. She just turned nine. Yeah, she's a big girl. Can you tell me what your early lockdown was like with an eight-year-old? I guess, was she seven? Holy shit. Yeah. How long have we been here? She was, was she seven. seven when we... Oh, God. Okay, so what was um, what was the the intense, like the heart of lockdown like uh, with a seven-year-old in a Brooklyn apartment? It was really messy. Um, it, it was... It all felt very ad hoc and scrambled um, and exhausting. And I, you know, none of us had any idea what we were doing. Um, you know, the schools, I remember thinking like, are they going to close the schools? I guess they should close the schools for like a week or two. Um, and then they announced that they were closing for five weeks. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> um and, you know, they kind of scrambled to put together this kind of like skeleton online situation, which, you know, bless them, like the schools were just like, oh, what the fuck do we do? So the fact that they were able to come up with anything, I think was amazing. But, you know, my daughter and along with every other kid was like, what is this bullshit? Um, I essentially let her drop out of second grade. Like I kind of stopped making her do any of it around April. And I was like, as long as you're reading every day, um, I no longer care. <laughs> I don't think the school cares. I think, I think everybody is just like, like, you know, I, I her academic advancement became a very low priority at that point. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was pretty. And also, you know, like my husband, and I both work from home, which was really lucky, but we also, you know, we, we had to work. So, um, it became very difficult and I basically started failing harder at everything than I usually do, which is already pretty hard. I already fail pretty hard not to brag, but yeah, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty bad. I like that you let her just like fail out of school because I the the pressure on kids to sit in front of a computer every day like I was a grown woman on ADHD meds with access to coffee and I couldn't yeah. sit at my computer and focus on anything no. I mean I had a newborn right but I couldn't focus on shit I was actually turning down writing jobs from the beginning mm -hmm. I'm a writer but I also do design and just like other random marketing bullshit and I it took it was a year before I wrote anything because I was like my brain mm -hmm. can't make words my brain can't make sentences i can't i like bleh, my brain right. is is you you did a cartoon recently about the the scribble brain or the right. scramble brain <laughs> and i was it was a, a more about emotions mm -hmm. um but but i felt i have felt like my i feel like the pandemic broke my brain i think it truly broke all of our brains and in that early time you know when like the klaxons were like freshly going off and were kind of you know, really coming into this understanding of like, oh, this is an emergency. I feel like those days had a different flavor than these days where we've all been in it for a year and a half. And we're kind of, you know, the flame isn't that, well, the flame is still burning, but it's like, you know, we're mostly ashes at this point. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think I, you know, I think the brokenness feels a little bit different than like the beginning part. Um, where really I think a lot of it has to do with how much of our sort of expectations and unspoken assumptions about the world and its stability really um, crumbled, which is, I think, not a sensation any of us 
you know, necessarily expected to have happen because we were, you know, lucky enough to live in a, in a, in a modern times democracy. <laughs> and then we were like, holy shit, we can't get toilet paper. Yeah, yeah. Um, so whoops, I guess we're going to have an experience like most of humanity has had since its inception and not have a thing that we are used to having. Our lockdown like started in a particularly weird way because I had, um, a gig on a cruise ship that I was able to take my husband, John and Tug on. Um, that ship left on March 7th of 2020. Wait, you were on a cruise ship when all this shit went down? Yes, I was. Um, oh my God. Yeah, that was the, one of the weirder places I think I could have been, um, in the world. Um, I think had that ship been scheduled to leave like three days after it did, it would not have left at all. Um, but yeah, so we left one New York and came back to a very different New York. We really had no idea like what we were coming back to. Um, you know, I would, you know, there was Wi-Fi on the ship, but it was kind of spotty and it was really expensive. So I would kind of check in like twice a day and be like, oh, fuck, what's happening? <laughs> um, so yeah, we didn't really like know what to expect when we got home, but um I did notice that, yes, paper products and hand sanitizer were very hard to come by in grocery stores. But you know who always has everything is dollar stores and bodegas. Like <laughs> Bodegas are magic. Yes. Yeah. Um, no, our corner guy never ran out of paper products. But yeah, so we basically, I was like, I think we might have gone on the last big party for <laughs> for a very long time. Um, so that was weird, but yeah, it's amazing. You were able to get off of the cruise ship because not long after that, lots of people got stuck on cruise ships. Yes, absolutely. And there were jokes on the ship. Like, wouldn't it be funny if we just were stuck on this cruise ship? That would be amazing. I love being on this cruise ship. I'm like, I feel like what you're not understanding is that if we are not allowed off of this, this will very quickly cease to be a cruise ship experience. Like the crew is going to be like, go fuck yourselves like every man for themselves, like you're going to have to like make your own food and, you know, clean your own shit up. And yeah, yeah this is a permanent vacation. Shit. Yeah. And they oh will probably God. kill and eat us and they should. And ships are still stuck all over the place. Yeah. Which is why everyone is telling us we have to buy our kids all of their holiday presents now. Well, yeah, exactly. But I'm not buying it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to toilet paper panic over Christmas this year. No, me neither. And honestly, like, you know, if they're, if, if we have to sort of keep it to like, oh, maybe like one or two things, like let's maybe not like have a complete orgy of shit. This, <laughs> not that we necessarily always go for the complete orgy of shit anyway, Christmas wise, but it's just like, I don't, I don't know. I just feel like this might be the year where I have to tell my son Santa isn't real. But I feel like, I mean, he did ask me if I was the Easter Bunny last year, and I was—I quickly changed the subject. So this might be the year, and right. that's okay. I'm fine with that. Santa isn't real, and global capitalism is unraveling. So you know, welcome like, to your future. Here's a twofer. So, what was the hardest part of the pandemic or of lockdown for you, like as a mother, but also as a person who creates things for a living, and all of a sudden had a child at home all the time? Um, my temper. I really, really lost my temper with her a lot in ways that I, I truly feel awful about. Um, and 
it's, you know, I, I've, <laughs> I should say for legal purposes, I did not beat her or anything like that. Um, but, you know, I would just, I was very like on edge and very keyed up and, you know, little things would really send me over the edge. And also it just felt like everything both within and without our home was felt chaotic. Um, and yeah, that was in like, and as the pandemic like exposed and widened all the cracks in our system, I think it also exposed and widens, widened all the cracks in my personal system. Like I've never been particularly organized. I've always been kind of a mess. And now it's just like, oh, that's not a good foundation for when bad things happen. <laughs> so yeah, I, um, that was, that was tough. Um, and in some ways, because at least I, you know, uh, like work-wise, I felt like the new and kind of raw emotions I was having were something that I was able to harness and make something out of. And now that the whole thing is kind of like, you know, we're sort of becoming deadened to it, I feel like it's almost harder to access those emotional states or any emotional states. Um, like I, I feel like whatever little nerve endings like make feelings happen in my head are kind of like warranted nubs, um, which for me is harder, like as a person who creates stuff for a living, that makes it harder to access any kind of like, like desire to express things because I just don't know what to express anymore. So um, it, it, even though time and space became a real, like much more of a struggle than it usually is in the beginning of, of the pandemic, I felt like I struggled less for what to say then than I do now. That's so fucking relatable. Like as you were answering that question, I, I had this moment of panic, like, God, I'm launching this new podcast. And do, do people really just want to hear about lockdown and the pandemic? Haven't we been talking about that for so long? But also, like, it's so fucking hard and it affects everything. And it is has changed it's it has changed almost everything mm -hmm. i create differently i create different content and that's actually kind of part of the reason i felt like i had to start this podcast because i was like i have to talk to other people women mothers my age and it helps me kind of manage my anxiety and feelings and and i think you just kind of articulated things that i was feeling that i couldn't articulate um, because my brain is broken and numb and it is it is hard to it is so hard to create something that is about something we don't really want to be in anymore or talk about or think about but that we're stuck in and 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 mm -hmm. make something fresh about it except for your update on the awkward hug so did you and your husband fight a lot because I found my husband and I well in the very beginning, not so much because we had a newborn and it was we were just struggling to survive. Right. But then I'm I was used to having my house to myself like 60 hours a week. And then there was a new baby mm -hmm. and my husband who was here all the fucking time. And we I, I feel like the first year of the pandemic, which is so hard to say, the first year of the pandemic was okay. And then after about a year of it, we just couldn't get along anymore for a while. We've come to the other side of it, but we fought a lot. I mean, well, first of all, like I salute you because I, if I had to do lockdown with a newborn, I think I would have lost my fucking mind. Um, lockdown, 
already kind of felt like when I had a newborn, like everything is weird and different and I'm lonely and I can't do anything. So yeah, if I had a double dose of that, like um, hats off to you for still being alive. We didn't fight more, but we also have worked. We have both worked. First of all, we met at work. We both used to work in um, record distribution. So we were kind of, and we've both worked from home, you know, since 2007. So we're very used to just being in the same space. So that, that part of it really wasn't new. Um, so no, I think we got really lucky in terms of the disruption to our life and, and work was not, was not nearly what it was for a lot of people. It was just sort of like, you know, it was an add on, but it wasn't new, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Emily, we're going to take a quick break, but before we go, I have a, I have a question for you. Okay. What are you wearing? <laughs> I'm wearing um, Uniqlo pant legging things and a, a white uh, long sleeve t-shirt that says uh, finest on it. This is from um, uh, Morgan Stern's ice cream. Um, and it was part of a swag package that I got because I won a pie baking contest there. Oh, yeah. You're a, you're quite the baker. I I dabble. <laughs> I'm very impressed with your creations online. I am wearing a white t-shirt today. Um, and it's kind of exposure therapy for me because uh-huh. I don't wear white. I'm very, right. like, I feel very uncomfortable in white. It's, it's like, I'm going to, I will spill something on it. I'm drinking tea right. right now. I'm sure by the time we're done talking, I will have tea on it. I also very rarely wear white. Um, I, you and I, I think are very similarly colored, um, in that we are, we are pale people with yes. a, what seems to be like the same color hair. Um, white and pale colors usually are not my jam because I already look like a ghost um, every once in a while. Like, And also this shirt was free. so <laughs> I should do an episode where I interview a mom of small children who actually wears white and manages right. to keep that. Yeah. There's, a, there's a challenge right there. All right. We're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. We are back. I'm talking with Emily Flake, a writer, cartoonist, and my initial twin. We're both EF, uh, talking about how the pandemic broke my brain. I was a I was a guest on another podcast a couple of weeks ago on um, G Thinks Just Bought It with Caroline Moss. And at the beginning, I said the pandemic broke my brain. Don't ask me what books I've read. No books. <laughs> no big words. No math. <laughs> I can't do it. Now you, it feels like it was about a year into lockdown, but it's all kind of a blur, started a campaign for your St. Nell's humor. I mean, I want to get the tagline right. St. Nell's humor writing residency for ladies. Yes. Okay. I got Uh, it right. Okay. Yes, you did. Uh Um, (laughs) Now, and this is a writing residency where um, ladies or people who identify as women uh, who are writers and write Mm -hmm. humor or want to write humor apply to come stay at this beautiful Victorian house you bought in what town? Williamsport, Pennsylvania. We, they get to stay there and write without anyone bothering them? Yes. <laughs> now, is this an idea that you had before COVID and just it happened to, it happened this way? Or, or was this an idea you got because of COVID and you're like, oh my God, I need to save all the women? <laughs> um, so a little bit of both. Um, 
I have always, like most people, I think, who live in New York have always thought, like, wouldn't it be great if someday we had a summer home and I would love to run it as a writer's residency? Like, basically, I feel like everybody either wants to run a writer's residency or start a goat farm. Um, And I don't trust myself to keep goats alive. That I feel like the germ of the idea has been there for a long time. But it wasn't until so around June, June of 2020, um, you know, obviously all of our summer plans just shat the bed. So we're like, all right, like, you know, we're just going to kind of, you know, gut it out in Brooklyn. And, you know, my husband was like, maybe we should like see if there's somewhere we can go away for like a long weekend, like, you know, someplace with like a pool outdoors, et cetera. So he's looking in New England and he's looking upstate and like everything is like booked and or very expensive. Um, so he's like, I'm going to start check on Pennsylvania. And this ad pops up for the um, Genetti Hotel in Williamsport. And he's like, you ever heard of Williamsport? I'm like, I have not. So he, you know, we, we're street booing the streets. And we're like, this place looks awesome. <laughs> so we go out there and we stay at the Genetti. And at that time, like the transmission numbers out there were super low. Like the town was really affordable to stay in because normally they host the little league world series. And obviously that wasn't happening um, that summer. And like most of their tourist stuff was shut down. So it was very affordable, basically empty. And um, we went out there and just had a really great time. We went out there a couple more times. And as you do, I'm looking on realtor and I'm like, how's this, are very affordable here. <laughs> so I, w- I was just like, we have to, we have to buy a house here. Um, and my husband being um, the more practical of the two of us was like, the thing is we don't actually have any money. <laughs> so, and then he's like, but you're always talking about like, you'd love to run a, like a, a writer's residency. So like, why don't you see if you can just raise money and then do that? Um, So I raised money and then did that. Um, But yes, this all started with a completely unaltruistic motive of like, I, I want to own a house in this beautiful town that someday, like, I will, you know, we can go and have and, you know, maybe live there full time someday. Now we have that and it is a writer's residency. I would way rather run a writer's residency than an Airbnb. So I think you've oh, got it. Oh, uh, yeah. A great plan. Absolutely. And honestly, like we use Airbnb, but the entire thing of it, like kind of gives me the willies. I don't want to participate in that structure, like as a, as a way to make money. Um, and, you know, even, and the residency isn't like, is the point of the residency isn't to make us money. Like, you know, best case scenario, it pays for itself. But I, but I've also, I've done writer's residencies and I know like what kind of like, you know, how, what kind of impact they can have on your work. So the thought of like, oh, if I could do that for other people, like, you know, this whole situation is a real win-win. I am dying to come to St. Nell's. Mm-hmm. There's a line from Mama Tried near the very end, and you wrote, so this this book is is cartoons mixed with short essays. Um, and it said, before you have kids, you pretend a little that you might still be able to fly. 
once you have kids, you know you can't. Not yeah. anymore. And it's yeah. it gets less dire than that yeah. as, as this goes on. Uh, and I have found that to be so true. And and right now, um, so literal, like as an A, I probably won't right. get on an actual airplane and fly until my children are vaccinated. But also mm-hmm. I um I I feel like I'm in this season of my life where I can't leave my kids. And I think part of that is that COVID and um, everything else, like the all the flights getting all fucked up, is just like compounded my anxiety to the point right. where I like I, I get anxious. And I've written before about having some postpartum anxiety. And I thought with my second, I wasn't going to have it. And we had a, my husband and I had a plan for how I wouldn't have postpartum anxiety. And then I swapped it for pandemic anxiety. But uh-huh. I feel like everything has really compounded my anxiety to the point where I feel like I. I don't know if I can leave my family for two weeks, even though uh-huh. all I want is like, I love my family, but I would love to get the fuck away from my family for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, so I really, I really want to come to St. Nell's. I just have to, uh, I probably need to talk to my therapist about it and uh-huh. <laughs> have her tell me that it's okay to, yeah. um, to go. But cause I am, I'm now working on um, an essay collection and I think that having time yeah. away from time and space away from everything to just go write. No, absolutely. I don't I can't even remember what it's like to have time to write like that. Part of this it did come from like, you know, I like early in the pandemic we went up to see friends who live in Rhinebeck, you know, and like Rhinebeck's nice and we're never moving to Rhinebeck and like couldn't afford it even if we wanted to, but like, you know, driving back I was just like like I don't have any time and I don't have any space and I don't have any money because I haven't been able to, you know, and I was just like what the fuck are we doing? Um, and, and yeah, I mean, like just, just having like a little bit of that and it is extraordinarily tough when you have young kids. I mean, my daughter is nine and I still feel like it would be, it would really be moving mountains for me to take two weeks away. You know, even yeah. one week away would be like, I've never, I've never been gone for a week. I've never been gone for more than like a couple of days at a stretch. Um, it would be, it would be very tough. Um, and, you know, some of the women who have applied, like, you know, we're getting like a real, like, mix, you know, like some are like young people who don't have families, some are people whose families are like kind of grown, some are like, you know, we just have our family set up where I can just fuck off for a week or two. Um, but also, uh, I'm going to offer a family residency next summer where you can bring your family if you want to, um, which obviously is kind of like, you know, a little bit, it's not exactly beside the point because I've done residencies where I could bring my family and just having, you know, just having like a space that's different and isn't mine was helpful. Um, but, and it's big, it's, you know, if you're like, if you're used to anything like a New York apartment, you know, it's like a three bedroom house with like a yard, um, which, you know, feels very, very spacious, um, by our standards. So, you know, just, just having uh, like, uh, you know, having that as an option, I think is, is also important to me because I've, I've done family residencies and really uh, benefited from them. So again, to, if I can, you know, extend that to somebody, then that's a, that's a win-win as well. Okay. Well, you put me on the wait list for that next summer because that yeah. will be <laughs> like the, uh, that'll yeah. be where I'm like at the end of writing my book because it will be due in the fall. So that would right. be perfect. Oh, I love that you're doing that. But yeah. I also, there's a part of me as a, as a woman who, has a career and had a career before I had children. There's a part of me that like hates that my brain thinks that's the only way to do this because I right. should be able to just get on a fucking plane once everyone's mm-hmm. vaccinated and mm-hmm. go away for two weeks and do work. 
And I don't know that I would necessarily, like, if my husband needed to do that, I wouldn't really think much of it. And I'd be like, great. And like, I, you know, I'll, like, mm-hmm. I love you. I'll enjoy the break. And we do, as mothers, put this crazy pressure on ourselves mm-hmm. to feel like we have to be there. And I know, again, I, I know some of it is my own anxiety. I just get kind of panicky at the thought of leaving my kids for two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is tough. And again, especially like yours are so young that it's like, you know, it, it, there is like more of like this almost primal, like I can't be away from you for this long. Like, um, and no, I don't think men necessarily have qualms about that shit in the same way at all, obviously. Um, and, and part of it too, is that like, Again, it you know if, when John and I fight about anything, it's mostly about like you know who who gets time, you know. Um, and I do I do know that yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I I feel like like th- you know the time ask you know it, like say I were because you know I like I actually I applied for the Irma Bombeck residency, um, and I was like, what if I get it? Like, can I really take two weeks away? I'm like I'm like I haven't even really done my own residency that I run, let alone, you know, (laughs) like getting away, away. But yeah, it's just because the, the like time debt that I feel like that would incur would be, would be pretty huge. But again, it's just like, I feel like I keep coming back to the whole thing of like, you know, sometimes you have to be a little bit selfish, you know, um, about, you know, your work and your art or whatever it is that, that you're, that you're doing. And it's not like, you know, I'm not like, I'm going to go away for a year and I will see you when I see you, like in the grand scheme of things, it's not that much time, but yes, it is, it is psychologically and emotionally like super, super difficult. And I think harder for, for mothers. And I hate that it is, but I feel like there are, obviously there are women who have, um, you know, high powered business jobs that make no sense to me and they go to they, they go on business trips for yeah. a week, two weeks, three yeah. weeks, and it's no problem. I just uh, that dynamic was not established in my family, and now uh, yeah, I have this panicky. Though I do feel like when my when I had just one child, and we weren't in the middle of a pan a never ending fucking pandemic, um, I still felt that guilt. I think the last time I traveled alone, it was twenty nineteen. It was right before I got pregnant. Actually, I think I was pregnant. Didn't know I was pregnant was at a winery and drinking a lot. Uh, but it was twenty summer of 2019 or fall of 2019. And I always felt anxious about leaving my kid and mm-hmm. I felt bad about it. But then it was like, as soon as I stepped off the plane, I was like, okay. Yeah. Oh God. Mary, okay. Mary Cantwell writes really beautifully about that. You know, this feel like whenever she would like get on a plane to go somewhere for work, this feeling of like, you know, simultaneously like pressing her foot into the floor of the airplane to make it go faster and wondering how she ever could have left her family. Um, it's uh, like, uh, I love her so much. Like her, her, her writing about that, that push pull dynamic is really fascinating. Traveling. I think after you have kids traveling by yourself is kind of a reminder of who, <laughs> who you were, who you might mm-hmm. be someday when your kids are grown and you can, you can travel again and go right. go do a writing residency. I love that you're offering I love that you're offering this family residency. Um I I I will plan to apply and hopefully attend and um just be a little resentful to society that I feel like I have to do it that way, but right. You know, <laughs> young kids. Yeah. Sometimes you have to. Um so what 
are you working on now? So um, basically kind of the, you know, the same old, same old, like, you know, model, you know like the, the pitch schedule of the New Yorker is pretty regular. You know, you send in a batch every week and they kind of buy one or they don't. Um, I am working on a proposal for a like kind of book version of a class that I teach about gag cartooning. I've been, and I've also been working on like a, a YA proposal for like three plus years um, with a very, very generous editor who is just like, almost, almost, you're almost there. I'm like, what? Um, so um, yeah, you know, like I'm not, I'm at the point where it's like, you know, I, I am in the putting seeds in the ground part of like big projects um, and the rest of the stuff, you know, just kind of chugging along with like the regular freelancey stuff. So that was a very convoluted answer. No, I, have you felt that pressure to create? I mean, you did create something extraordinary with Saint Nels. Have you felt that pressure to to kind of keep creating as a means of survival through this? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, you know, it's like, you know, I feel like we 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 started to touch on the fact that. Like when lockdown happened, people really kind of re- rediscovered this like time and space to to make things or to do something creative. And this will sound like a complaint and I don't mean it as a complaint, but, you know, that's, I don't, you know, there's, if that's how you make your living, it's like, there's not a choice, you know, like there's not a fallback, you know, like my husband and I split every expense like straight down the middle and like, you know, neither like we don't have a cushion anywhere. It's just like, you know, I have to make and sell work or we're going to get kicked out of our apartment. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, and yeah, again, I like, there are, I am very lucky that that is my job. And like, you know, like I, this is not, I'm not working in the salt mines, but it's like, yeah. So uh, certainly, you know, it's like the, the pressure that's always there is always there. It's like you have to figure out, you know, something to say and then somebody to sell that to. Yeah, that's and that's rough. I was so lucky that I had the skill set to build websites and do graphic design for so long, because if I if I would have had to just rely entirely on writing we probably would have lost our house right. because yeah. I couldn't, my brain, like I said earlier, my brain just, just couldn't make words. And I still feel that way sometimes, but like my brain just couldn't make words work together. And I couldn't form complete sentences. I sure I couldn't do paragraph. I just couldn't write anything coherent, but I yeah. also, it was part of it was just the chaos around me. I, I was mm-hmm. just surrounded by mess. I remember early on, I'm going to get gross here for a minute, but I, so I had a C-section. I had two C-sections and I had my tubes tied with my second. And because um, I was like, well, you're in there. Just shut that shit down. Yeah. And so this was probably, I don't know, a month or two months into lockdown. And I started to worry that I had a vaginal infection mm-hmm. because every time I sat down to pee, it just smelled so bad. And I was like, oh, my God, I have a vaginal infection. And I had canceled my six-month or my six-week postpartum checkup that, you know, really you go back and the doctor is just like, okay, you can have sex now. I was like, right. And I was like, oh my God, but I can't go to the hospital. I can't go. It's like, it's too scary. We can't go. Like that became my line to my four-year-old, which is like, don't, don't do anything dangerous. We can't go to the hospital right now. Right. And I was like, I'm going to die of like, this is it. This is what's going to kill me. I'm going to die of some weird 
bacterial vaginal infection. And then at some point, I just realized that I needed to clean my fucking toilet. Yeah. Like I hadn't, uh-huh. I, I had been so overwhelmed right. with anxiety and a newborn and trying to mm-hmm. work and just like survive that I right. had forgotten to clean my toilet. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was quite a relief. And then I got, then I did take some time and I got like kind of weird and, and ADHD. So I very much hyper-focused on cleaning the toilet for a while. And that was a good, a good way to uh, deal with my anxiety for a while. I mean, but, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have to figure out a way I, I, to clean my toilet where it does. It, I feel like I clean it and it still smells disgusting. So I'm clearly not very good at cleaning my toilet. But like, kudos to you for realizing it was not a medical problem, but <laughs> a housekeeping. But it, problem. it was. It was. De- it was a problem nonetheless. It was. Yeah. It, it, it continues to be. I just have. I've let so much go, and it's mm-hmm. hard for me because I've had. I haven't had anyone in my house, and I don't right. have as much time to clean. And it's so hard for me to be creative and feel creative when I feel like my, there's chaos everywhere. And oh, for sure. And, and, for sure. And, my, and when I feel like my toilet has a bacterial infection. Right. Um, <laughs> the vagina of your toilet needs is, to be GYN. It really yeah. does. And, and yeah. now I should probably go back since it's been about two years. Right. I'm still kind of avoiding <laughs> unnecessary uh, medical visits these days. Speaking of which, I think you could have monetized that bruise. Um, oh my God, the bruise! I forgot you were the bruise's biggest fan. Um, that bruise is fascinating to me, um, and yeah, I, I became very per- like emotionally invested in the um, uh, in the story of the bruise. So now I should tell the story of the bruise. Uh, this is such a great. This is. I feel like this is my my. I think I made a post about it being like my. This was going to be my 2020 memento because it it so perfectly just encapsulated what 2020 was. So I was getting in the shower and it was the first time I'd been alone in my house. My We reintegrated with my in-laws. So my kids were with my mother-in-law and father-in-law and my husband had gone to the grocery store. And it was the first time I was alone in my house. And I was so excited. I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna take a shower. I didn't know how long it had been since I'd showered. And I got in the shower and I was like, oh my God, I need to trim my pubes. <laughs> I haven't done that probably since before Charlie was born, before the pandemic. And so I got out of the shower to grab scissors and my coffee that I had sitting on the the bathroom counter. And I went to step back into the shower. And speaking of my nasty ass bathroom, the bath mat that I had not taken the time to clean slipped out from under me. And that leg just went back. It all just slid back. It was just like, like very fast. And my my left leg that was still outside slammed down with all of my weight and velocity on the edge of the tub. And the I wasn't the bruise wasn't even a deal time. I had scissors in my hand and had poked myself in my throat with the tip of the scissors. Oh Luckily God. they were like they were like six dollar um they were Scotch brand gift wrapping scissors. Uh-huh. I'd been cutting my hair with them. They were they were like all purpose scissors. And I, I I the first thing I did was stick my hand on my throat because I was certain I had stabbed my my voice box and that my my future in podcasting or anything else was yeah. and somehow I wasn't bleeding. And then I got up and I had this little bruise on my leg. Not little. It was the size of like a coffee mug and the shape of Australia. And it just started to grow and grow and grow. And it took up I don't have small thighs and it was it took up the whole like inner inner side of my left thigh and it was 
black and blue and brown and purple. And I have never seen a bruise that big. Like, and I watch a lot of bad medical dramas and I've never seen a bruise like that. And I figure out the mystery because I, I'm luckily Facebook friends with my doctor and I try not to abuse it. And I sent it as a joke. I was like, here's some bruise porn for you. And she was like, oh my God, are you taking like fish oil or blood thinners? And I had been taking cod liver oil because uh, I had read that uh-huh. all the vitamin D in it can help your immunity. And I had all this COVID anxiety and it was the most the most 2020 thing I did in 2020. It, it was such an entity that I truly felt like it should have its own platform. Um, it, I mean, it, it kind of it kind of did. It it, it became yeah. very popular in my Instagram stories, um, um, and it be, it was so big and grew so big that it was very hard to take a picture of the bruise without also like showing some of my labia. Like that's how right. big <laughs> this bruise was, and it started kind of closer to my knee. Right. That bruise, I, I kind of forgot about that, but that is, um, I will link to a picture of the bruise in the show notes y- because yes, everyone needs to witness that. Never forget. Never forget. Also, never step into your nasty ass shower while holding scissors, pointy side up, and a cup of hot coffee. Uh, also an important safety lesson. Yes. Yeah. Oh, the bruise, the bruise. Emily, thank you so much for talking to me uh, on my second ever episode of Mother Mother. Um, Where can people find you on the internet these days? So many places. My website is emilyflake.com. The St. Nell's website is stnells.com. It's S-T-N-E-L-L-S.com. I'm on Twitter at at Emily Flake um, or at St. Nell's. I am on Instagram at eflakeagogo, E-F-L-A-K-E-A-G-O-G-O, um, or at St. Nels. Um, and yeah, I feel like, is there anywhere else? I don't know. I'm on Facebook, but you know, that's just for pictures of pies and shit. I don't, I'm lying. I put pies on Instagram too. Yeah. I don't really like have a, a very disciplined split between like my personal and my professional life on any platform. So yeah. Me neither. I don't either. Uh, and and you're in, I, I admit, I haven't gotten a print copy of The New Yorker since someone got me a, a subscription years ago. And I just had a pile and felt really bad about myself. And I, was like, <laughs> I can't, I can't, I have to, I can't, like, it just makes me feel like an idiot. Um, I can't keep up with this. Uh, you're in print. I, I know you're online a lot. So you're also, you do the covers sometimes. I have never gotten a cover. I've not, pitched many covers. I have you've yet pitched them. Okay. to land one. But, you know, I, I, someday. I, sometimes I'll see you say, like, this was a rejected cover. We're going to yes. get you a cover, goddammit. I'm going to, yeah. And then then maybe I'll get a print scrip- subscription. <laughs> I won't tell. Um, so mm-hmm. uh, your your cartoons are also in in print yes, a lot. Okay. Often. Do you prefer calling yeah. them comics or cartoons? I really comics, cartoons, funny little drawings, you know, like, you know, those stupid little things you do. I, I'm not really too hopped up on, on like correct terminology. Well, you, they are the most relatable cartoons slash comics I have ever seen. So if you um, are not familiar with Emily's work, which who isn't, uh, check out her comics, especially over the last year or so as they are relatable to all parents in this pandemic. Um, Thank you so, so much for joining me. I hope to have you back again someday. And uh, I will, maybe we'll record an episode in person at St. Nell's next summer. I would love that. And that gives me an impetus to transform the tool closet into a podcast booth. (gasps) Uh, So... (laughs) 
Oh my God. I love it. It's a date either way. Yeah. It's All right. A date. All right. Thank you so much, Emily. Thank you so much. Hopefully we'll talk soon. Mother, mother, can you hear me? Sure, I'm sober. Okay, be sure to go follow Emily on all of her socials, uh, which I've linked in the show notes, along with links to buy her books. If you're on Facebook, you really should join us in the Mother Mother podcast group, which you can find at facebook.com slash groups slash Mother Mother podcast. You can also learn more about the show and me and the guests at mothermotherpodcast.com. And when you're there, you can also use the little red microphone icon to leave a voicemail. You can leave me a voicemail about anything. Just be very clear if you don't want me to play it on the air. Thank you so much for listening to Mother Mother. I'll be back every Tuesday, so be sure to subscribe wherever you are listening, and uh, you'll get to hear me talking with a different mom friend every week. Our theme song, Mother Mother by Tracy Bonham, is performed by the amazing Jocelyn McKenzie with Harry Bowles. Bye. Mother, mother, can you hear me? Sure, I'm sober. Sure, I'm sane. Life is perfect. Never better. Still your daughter. Still the same. If I tell you what you want to hear, will it help you to sleep well at night? Are you sure that I'm your perfect dear? Now just come. Bye.